0: Welcome into the Quick Draw Dynasty on this rainy Monday afternoon. This is Steve here. Give me a follow at QuickDrawDNSTY on Twitter. Alright, so the first thing I want to talk about was the rushing value of a QB. Uh, just understand your your points when you're going into your leagues and going into drafts. Uh, the four-point passing touchdown really makes a difference if you have a rushing quarterback simply because the touchdowns are all of a sudden worth six points for rushing not to mention yards are one point for every 10 yards, where usually it's one point for 25 passing yards. So 50 rushing yards can make up a huge difference in the number of passing uh, passing yards that somebody has. So just kind of understand, like Lamar Jackson's value, even if he gets seven or 800 rushing yards this year, is huge because that adds such a good floor to his weekly value that anything that he does passing on top of that, on top of what he did last year, after he came in, he was a QB eight last year. So just kind of know, like, even if he's not a very good passer, he doesn't need to be to be fantasy relevant as long as he can keep that starting job, which is the only thing that has me kind of weary about him. But I like his upside. I think they, they're going to put weapons around him to help him succeed. I think you're going to see big jumps from this off season to the start of the season. And I'm really excited to see his, his fantasy production for the year coming up. Um, and other guys like you're talking like Josh Allen last year ended up rushing for quite a few, like six or 700 rushing yards too, which gave him a nice float. And he, neither of these guys were ranked at towards the near and passing efficiency at all. But just with that rushing side, it just, it adds so much value. I mean, you just take a, take example of Cam Newton. He, he runs and he's the goal line back on that team. understand that too. So him coming back from, it's injury. I think he'll be fine. And I don't think, like he says, you're not going to teach a lion not to roar. So he's going to run the ball when he comes back. And then he last year upped his accuracy percentage from 60% to 67%. And I think cam has grown as a passer and he's got a cannon on there too. And I'm, I'm excited. And he's a guy that's not being talked about for values right now in dynasty or fantasy football in general. And he might be a guy that you shoot an offer out for. And you're like, Hey, how are you feeling about cam? You want, I don't know. So find something that they value if it's running back or a wide receiver that they are a little higher on than you. Maybe you might be able to pluck cam out of there for not, not very much for what he's worth, especially in like a super flex or two quarterback league. Um, I think you could offer, um, mid range running back or wide receiver and somebody might take that deal thinking he's not healthy enough and he's not going to play very much. So just kind of know that value is there. Uh, even guys like Rodgers and Luck, they run more than you think they do. It's 3 to 400 yards a year, but you start picking that up and that's an extra 30 or 40 points that somebody's getting you. Or if I can do the math there, that's more than that. Yeah, it might be 30, 40 points a year that somebody's getting just based off of running a little bit, and it's not even a lot. So just kind of know that that float, that that rushing value adds into your team on the quarterback position. You don't necessarily have to have the best guys at quarterback. You just need them to put up fantasy points. And I think that's a decent way to build a roster around as long as those guys are keeping the start. I mean, Michael Vick was the cheat code back in the day when he was playing for the Falcons and running around for 100 yards all the time. I mean, he didn't have to be a good passer, but he was still a good quarterback for fantasy purposes. Uh, The next, I want to go into like some offenses to buy low into right now that people are like, well, it's not a very good offense. I don't want any part of it. Um, I've talked about Jacksonville a little bit with Mike or the DeFilippo coming over working with Nick Foles, that upgrade and accuracy at quarterback. Um, I think their offense is going to shift and it's going to be a little bit more pass heavy than people think. And people realize, I think that there are certainly weapons there that you can buy low on right now. And they don't have a whole lot of price. Even if you're trying, if you're in a super flex or two quarterback league, people are ranking Nick Foles, super low. And I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard when you look at quarterback rankings because there's so many guys that are going to be effective. But if you're looking for to get a second quarterback because you don't have one and you're really desperate, I think Foles could be a good opportunity to buy low on and get a, at least a guy that's going to start. I mean, he's it's not like they're going to sign him to sit him. So just I would at least think about that. I think the Jags are going to put up more points than people realize, and I don't think their defense is quite as dominant as it has been in the last couple of years. It'll be interesting to see how Josh Allen fits into that on the defensive side. Um, But I think that they're going to give up more points. They're in a tough division that has two really good offenses and the Titans. So they're going to have to score some points to win games. So just kind of know that going in. Uh, That's kind of always a fun thing to look at is who they have to play against. And when you get a team, I mean – the cheat code, I think, for offenses is someone like the Chiefs that they have no defense, and they have to put up 30 or 40 points a game to win, where sometimes the Patriots don't really need to do that, but they will anyways. Um, the Falcons a couple years ago were a good example where their defense wasn't really great, and they had – I mean, Matt Ryan had to throw to put up those points, and he had to throw to those receivers. So just kind of know – I think that, this, that team this year is going to be the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals defense, they just lost their best defensive player for their first eight games – It's going to be complete Swiss cheese back there, and they're just going to have to score a ton of points to even stay in games, much less win them. So I I understand that the value that people are kind of buying into this Cardinals offense is a little high. In a one-quarterback league, I mean, where are you going to take Kyler Murray at in rookie drafts would be very interesting to watch. But if you're going to go into a season with a rookie quarterback as a starter, I want that guy because they're going to let him run free And he's going to have to put up a lot of passing yards and rushing yards just to keep them uh, competitive in games. So I'm very interested to see how that's going to play out. And I think that's a very good offense to try to get a piece of. Christian Kirk, if you can get him for like a second round pick somewhere, I've seen those going around. I mean, Christian Kirk is probably going to be the most consistent receiver on this team this year. Uh, I like Isabella. I think he'll be good. I don't know that he'll be great Um, once we'll see what Larry Fitzgerald has left for a year. And I think as Bella kind of moves into that slot role, but I mean, that could be Christian Kirk's role. I mean, they have a lot of guys that could fit that slot role. And that's what the only thing that kind of worries me is where are these guys going to play and where are they going to succeed at the most? Um, I think Hakeem Butler is destined to be outside. And I think he's the, he's the one guy in that offense. I think that has a more defined role. And I think Kyler is going to end up liking him a lot more than the fourth round suggests that they do. I don't think they plan to take him, but I don't think they plan for him to be there in the fourth. And that's kind of why they ended up taking him there. They're like, Something's going on, and we we need to get this guy because he's more talented than a fourth rounder. So, I I'm buying Hakeem Butler too. If in rookie drafts, if you're in the middle of the second round, I don't that fourth round rookie tag doesn't really scare me too much. Um, Another offense I think a lot of people are kind of low on is going to be the Broncos. They're the quarterback coach from San Francisco is coming over. He's going to bring a lot of zones concepts uh, in the running game. And if you kind of look anywhere Shanahan has been, there's been good running games. So just kind of understand if he comes and he's able to recreate that even as a quarterback coach and understand that the running game opens up the passing game. I expect both of the running back for the Broncos to be relevant at some point. I'm not sure which one yet. I like Rolls Royce a little bit more than uh, Lindsey, but that's mostly due to draft capital and... Um, health, I mean, Freeman was able to get healthy and stay healthy all year and he was a little more productive than people realize, but Freeman was able to break off those big runs and really for getting a guy on the waiver wires after week one, we probably made it break some of your people's fantasy seasons. Um, so it, it's a hard to gauge. I think they'll both have value. I think it'll be a close time split and I think week to week, it could bounce depending on who does what, but I think the passing game, there's good options there too. We'll see how long Flacco lasts. I don't know that Locke is ready to take that jump this year, but I think Locke overall um, will add a little bit of a rushing layer to the offense that Flacco does not bring at all. But it'll be really interesting to watch and see how that passing game progresses, especially when they have to play the Chiefs twice a year and the Raiders twice a year, which are not no nobody's getting scared by those defenses right now. The Chargers are going to be a little tougher. They have a pretty good defense, so. I mean, you look in the division, you say the Broncos are probably one of the offenses that have a better schedule coming up for this year. Uh, another one that people are kind of sleeping on, and I think they're like, uh, this is boring, I don't want any players, is the Lions' offense. They're, like, they're going to run the ball. I really like, uh, oh, carry on. Carry on my wayward son, Johnson. Uh, I think he's going to get a big workload this year. I think C.J. Anderson will steal some carries from him but I don't think that's going to be a bad thing. I think that's going to be able to keep him fresh and stay in the season longer instead of hitting a, I think he kind of hit the rookie wall last year. And I, I'm, I'm pretty high. I think they're going to be more of a power run offense. They have, they've built a good offensive line and put a lot of draft capital up there. They added the best blocking tight end in the draft in TJ Hawkinson. And so they, they, they know they want to run the ball. And I think their defense will take a good step in year two uh surprise i'm gonna say it here and i'm not really afraid to that the lions are a dark horse to win that division and i think it's very possible and i think that they'll be able to wear teams out enough and they'll kind of be the last man standing and i know everyone's gonna call the bears and the packers the favorites and the vikings aren't slouches either but i just matt stafford's better than he his record shows he's never had the defense he's had the defense once and they made the playoffs Um, but they've never really had the run game to support him and use him in a different way. And I'm really interested to see how that plays out this year and how he takes to that, to not having to be the only guy on the offense that makes things happen. Uh, So I I like what they're doing in Detroit right now. And I really think that even if you're buying Galladay, you're buying Marvin Jones at a discount right now. Um, Hawkinson probably won't be the best contributor on on his first year, but as far as a tight end landscape goes, I mean, 400 to 600 yards and five or six touchdowns is pretty reasonable for a tight end. I mean, you're, you're you're picking him in rookie drafts because you're playing the potential that he could be that thousand yard tight end in the future. It's probably not going to happen year one, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, The jets people are kind of onto, it's kind of their sexy pick lately. They're um, Adam Gase is pretty good on offense. His dolphin offenses were kind of questionable with how he used things at times but they have a good young rookie quarterback who's only 21 years old. Let me remind people, he is very young for a starting quarterback in the NFL. I mean, if you're buying dynasty stock, I mean, you buy him now, and if he pans out, you don't have to worry about a quarterback for 10 or 15 years. Just, I mean, you kind of look at that and go, well, the chances that he starts that long, but let's be real. He, he looked better towards the end of last year. He could be what the Jets need. Uh, they got a new head coach, and I'm assuming that they kind of said, hey, you know, he's the he was in top five pick. You got to make him work. I think Gase understands that. I think Gase likes him and will be able to use him and play to his strengths. And I think his strengths are going to be a lot of shorter throws. You're going to have Love Bell involved in the passing game, which is going to be a great asset to have. They have a lot of slot guys. I'm not quite sure which one is going to evolve right now. Um, that's going to be very interesting to watch with them signing Jamison Crowder. Uh, They have Quincy Inunua, which was strong out of the slot last year, and they gave him an extension. And they also picked up UDFA Greg Dortch from Wake Forest. He's kind of a small little shifty type of slot guy, just a lot like Jamison Crowder to me. Uh, I don't know that he's going to play a part yet. He looks more to be a special teams type of returner, but he could work his way onto the field, and it wouldn't surprise me. His scores and his youth and college production numbers were uh, two years in Wake Forest really stood out. So that's kind of something where the only other guy on that list twice was Kiki Kuti, and he's kind of flashed a little bit with the Texans so far. So I think Dorch is an interesting name to watch for that reason, to see if that statistic and metric lines up to be a predictor. Um, I picked him up in one of my leagues just because of that. I don't know what will happen. I mean, he's kind of right on that. If it doesn't pan out in the preseason, he's probably on my cut list. But I'm kind of interested just to see as to where we're going and what it's going to look like there. Um, I think Robbie Anderson's a big buy. I think that you will see him come off a play action with people being, they'll get kind of sucked up there to try to stop the short passing game. And all of a sudden he's going to hit a long pass every couple weeks or so. And I mean, he could return, I think he's a top 36 wide receiver, which puts him in the wide receiver three range, at least with wide receiver, let's say one and a half upside. I think he could finish as a wide receiver one or two, a lot of weeks. Uh, but he's not going to be drafted as such, and people aren't going to be like, oh, man, Robbie Anderson's this great guy to have. But he's proved, and he was flashed at the end of last year once um, the quarterback ended up showing what he could actually do. So I'm kind of excited to watch that. Right, next offense I want to go to is going to be the 49ers. Uh, I'm all in. I th- I like Shanahan. I think they do a good job with what they have. They really added to their wide receivers this year. Um, I'm huge into... uh, Oh, sorry, I'm not very good with names. I know that doesn't look very good at all. Um, I just can't think this morning. So I'm big into Debo Samuel. I think that he fits that X role very, very well. Uh, his his after the catch ability is what really intrigues me. Uh, I think he has the ability to get open. And I think after he gets there and gets that catch, I think that he's tough to bring down. He's going to be able to make enough people miss that he's going to get that yak. Uh, people are really high on Pettis, which is fine. I think they will kind of be a 1A, 1B in the offense. But I think people are kind of, I mean, with Debo getting pushed down to the late first, early second round kind of right now, I mean, I just think that that's an exceptional value for a guy that's potential is to be a top 24 receiver maybe as soon as year two. I don't want to predict that in year one because it's hard to make that adjustment. It usually takes two or three years for the wide receivers to hit. But I think Debo landed in my favorite spot for any wide receiver coming in. And I think that he fits that role so well that he is he's kind of a man crush right now. I mean, his college production's great. He's got good hands. I mean, Shanahan, I think, picked him as he's kind of their guy. I think him and Pettis are going to form a formidable one-two punch. And you also have Kittle coming over the middle. I mean, there's just a lot of options. And they have a couple secondary receivers after those two guys that, I mean, you're just you're not going to uncover um, the speedster. And they have Jordan Matthews for the slot. I don't know that he's going to make the roster, but it's something to kind of watch through training camp just to see if That's going to be a thing. I think either Pettis or Samuel could be better in the slot than he is, but I'm interested to see how that plays out for sure. Uh, The running back situation, it's very hard to decipher right now. Tevin Coleman, when given the chance, has been okay, not great. So I'm interested to see how they split up using these guys because I don't think it'll be a very clean split. It might be like a 30, 33, 36 type of thing and just kind of go with the hot hand in game, which we don't like. But like I kind of said before, Shanahan has productive run games. And if you could put all those guys into one back and extrapolate out what they would do over a season, it would probably be a top five backfield. Um, that might sound silly, but understand that Breeda was really, really good last year when he was on the field. And he could, I mean, if he's got this torn pick, which really worries me for this year. But it wouldn't surprise me to see Brita end up leading the RBBC and getting most of the carries while Coleman sprinkles in on the pass work. And then having, um, no, uh, McKinnon, McKinnon be kind of the backup or ancillary come in and give you guys, give somebody a rest here and there and get five touches a game. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of how it broke down, but with that torn pec, I could see Coleman getting a little bump and maybe McKinnon getting an extra touch or two a game. And then Brita kind of falling to the, him and McKinnon are kind of splitting behind Coleman. So, I mean, we really need an injury to that backfield. and I don't want to root for injury. I'm not, I'm not what I'm saying. But if an injury does happen, that will really clarify the backfield as to where we are. But as far as the buying price on some of these guys right now, I would take my chances if I'm thrown out, I mean, a 2023 or maybe a guy that somebody else is really high on on your roster that you're kind of not really a need at this point. I mean, it's worth that dart throw because there's going to be production there, and I want a piece of it if I can. Uh, even Kyle use at times has been productive from a fullback. I mean, he's a good receiver and he's a, he's good once he gets in space. So just, I'm not going to say you're picking Kyle use up on the waiver wire by any means, but I mean, that backfield does have value and we just kind of need to understand that it's not, it's not a bad backfield. It's not like they're the, um, Buccaneers of last year where they just don't have anybody. It's like they have guys that have talent and they have a scheme that they're able to use in and thrive in. We just don't know who it's going to be at this point. And I think you're better off trying to buy now and then having come preseason, it's a little more solidified as to who they're going to versus Tampa Bay. You're like, well, I'm getting a guy and Rojo might be good, but I mean, people are buying into Arians. It's like, well, he had David Johnson and David Johnson was actually pretty special coming out of UNI. He was just such a small school. Nobody really watched or knew about it. Rojo came out of USC and everybody knew what he was so he just wasn't able to produce last year whether it was scheme whether it was talent I don't know yet but I would much rather have a guy in this backfield over a backfield from Tampa Bay Uh, Baltimore is my other one I kind of talked about it earlier with Lamar Jackson they're gonna be able to run the ball they're gonna put up points they're gonna move through stuff I'm not too worried about them scoring points. I just think it's going to be a matter of who's doing it and how they're doing it. I don't think Lamar is going to run 18 to 20 times a game. They have come out and said that's not the game plan. They're not doing that. I agree, and I would hope that they wouldn't because I want him to stay healthy, and I want that rushing threat to be more of a surprise when it happens. I don't mind the quarterback designed runs. I think it's a good part of a game plan and understand that a rushing quarterback is able to keep the defense honest because they need to put a spy, which leaves another guy open somewhere. So I like the way that it's schemed. They just need Jackson to be a good enough passer to get the ball to those receivers. He's got Hollywood, which could take the the top off the defense really quick. They have Willie Sneed, which he can get by some guys too and make some big plays that people are going to forget about. And then I don't know that they're going to start two rookie wide receivers, so I don't know how much... um, the Notre Dame wide receiver will have on this, but it'll be interesting to see how they do. Um, The running back, I like Mark Ingram. I don't know that he's going to turn into some bell cow that all of a sudden is going to get 250, 300 touches in the year. I think he could be a good receiving back to start. I liked Gus Johnson last year. He put up, he did well. He did what he needed to do in that offense He's just not quite the receiving threat I think they want. So I think they signed Ingram more to be that than they did to be the bruiser between the tackles. I think that he'll add a layer of unpredictability when he's in the game, kind of as he did in, in New Orleans where Johnson can come in and just be the pounder and people are taking, they're just kind of writing Gus Johnson off as well. Mark Ingram's definitely the guy to own. And I don't think that that's true. I think Gus Johnson holds more value than people think. And if Ingram would get hurt at some point, his, Usage would go way up too. Um, Justice Hill is a big name. He's fast. He's quick. He could eventually be the guy in the passing game for that running back position. But this year, I'm not sure it's there unless an injury. Uh, the passing game is just hard to get on the field as a running back unless you're really a good blocker. It, and and I mean he has the he has the potential to do well. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he can't do well. I just don't think that that is the best bet to do this year um so i mean i like this offense i think they're certainly buying points and i definitely want to try to get into it if i can uh but i think people are just far too low and they just don't think that lamar's ever going to be able to throw the ball but they scored points and won games last year without throwing the ball and their defense can argue maybe stayed a little flat they've had some free agent signings with pernell McPhee, and they got uh I don't think they signed Gerald McCoy, but they had a visit. So, and then they added, um, Thomas from Earl Thomas from, uh, the Seahawks too. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back. Um, so I just think that there's opportunity there in Baltimore for sure. And if you can get in on a little bit of it, I think that's not a bad place to be. Uh, the next segment I'm going to do is a rookie spotlight, uh, Everybody's really high on and Kill Harry going to the Patriots and not be a part of that passing game. But I want to bring up a guy who they signed as UDFA, who I think actually could make a big impact that people aren't talking about and is available in two of my dynasty leagues right now. And that's going to be Jacoby Myers, the Patriots wide receiver out of NC State. He's 6'2", 203, and kind of figures into that bigger slot role. He played a lot of slot in college at North Carolina State. Uh, his strengths, he does a good job of finding uh, space in the zone, just kind of sitting. And I think as a slot receiver, that's a, underrated because I think that's kind of what you need to do when you're doing the crossers and doing the slant routes is you find the soft spot in the zone, catch the ball, and move the chains. And I think that he really sh- – I mean, that was one of my other things is he just goes to the first down marker and ends up getting a first down a lot when you watch the games that I've watched. Um, he He's a good awareness on the field as to – where that first down marker is, where the defenders are, how to make a miss. He's not the most elusive guy. Um, I don't know that he's going to necessarily get a lot of yards after the catch, but I mean, in the Patriots offense, you're kind of looking and he could kind of be the guy that gets eight or nine catches a game for 60 or 70 yards. I don't think that's a bad place to be in fantasy football. Do you In a PPR league, that's 15 or 16 points almost every week. Uh, We know what their offense is with Tom Brady. How long Brady lasts will be interesting to see what they do after Brady. I don't know that I can predict that yet because I don't know that they have the guy on the roster and I don't know what they want to do. But I do anticipate that the Patriots become a little more run heavy this year. And I think you'll see them try to salt games away earlier and rely on defense a lot more. And I think they have a good defense. Um, So just kind of understand that when talking about Patriots players as, as it is right now. But you have Edelman that's getting older. You have, I mean, you kind of saw it when, uh, I don't, I'm really blanking on his name now. Uh, but he went to the Broncos and had success thereafter, and they kind of told him, "It's like your job now is to mold your replacement." Yeah, and then Edelman was that replacement. Uh, so just kind of know like that's their thing. It's like do your job, get open block i mean he's a he's actually a willing blocker and i think he has room to improve his blocking the games i watch i didn't see great blocks but he was willing to he was usually in close to about the right place but i think with a year or two of development i think that'll really go up i think that he's tough enough so that he can take on that Uh, another of his strengths um he's good at the point of the catch has a big target radius and his toughness over the middle shows He's not afraid to get hit. He's not afraid to put his body in a bad position to take that hit. I mean, he's just, he's tough over the middle. And like I said, I think he's just going to be a chain mover. He's got good hands. And here's kind of the funny thing. When he went to NC state, he went there as a quarterback and then transitioned. So he's only played wide receiver for three years. Does that sound like anybody else that maybe made that move in the NFL? Uh, Maybe Julian Edelman. Uh, I just see a lot of parts that he just, he's going to be a Patriot type of guy. He's just going to go in and do his thing quietly, and people aren't really going to notice him for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be looking for waiver wire guys. Like, who's this guy? Oh, he has four catches in 40 yards every game. Okay, well, okay. Uh, what do we do with him? Well, Edelman's Edelman's 32, and there is a, some point a drop-off. I don't know how Edelman will do because he has missed some time, so it might, he might last a little bit longer. But, I mean, is two years out of the thing, and then he takes over the slot in year three, which is usually the breakout for wide receivers. I mean, it's just a guy that I want to know. Uh, the weaknesses that he showed is he's a little inconsistent and will probably take time to develop, which is okay because he has Julian Edelman to learn from. Not a bad guy to be there with. Uh, he's also not the fastest in the world. But I I don't think as a slot guy I don't think speed is necessarily the big thing. I just want a guy that can separate and catch the ball. Uh, you, you're going to be dealing with off coverage, so fighting zone isn't or uh, a press isn't the biggest issue when you're playing in that in that slot. A lot of people have Harry in the slot, thinking that he's going to take that role. I don't know that that exactly fits his game. I wasn't a big Harry guy coming out. I don't. I just he doesn't. It was kind of everybody's like, well the in a league where everybody's worried about separation and getting these little fast guys, the Patriots zag and they get a bigger bodied wide receiver. And it's like, okay, he makes the point, he makes the contested catches, which is good, but at the same time, it's like he doesn't get that separation. So what are you going to use him as? Are you going to say he's going to be your red zone target and you're going to throw fades to him all the time? That could be his upside. He's a 10 touchdown type of guy. He's a six, seven hundred yard touchdown or yards, and then a seven, eight, nine, ten touchdown type of guy. That, I believe, is a reasonable. I think him and Mike Williams will be able to be compared over the long haul with how their career trajectories go. And I'm not saying Kill Harry is going to be a bust by any means. I just don't think in that offense we just haven't seen outside of Randy Moss them really have that outside receiver that just comes in and makes that big difference, especially in Thomas Brady's later years. He just doesn't seem to have the arm strength or the desirability to go deep. But part of that might be due to they don't have the talent to do that either. So it's going to be interesting to see how Harry fits into this offense. And I think it's going to be fun to watch Jacoby Myers as a sleeper name that people kind of know about but haven't jumped all in on yet. I just think that he's definitely a guy that's going to be of value at this point. And he's probably free. And if Edelman would happen to go down for some reason... If Myers would jump into that role right away, I mean, he'd be a wide receiver two, wide receiver three at worst. I go, it's just, it's hard to handcuff wide receivers because you don't, it's not near as clear as the running backs. But I could just see him stepping in and being a Belichick type of guy and just quietly goes in, does what he's supposed to do, earns Brady's trust, and all of a sudden he's going to take you places in your leagues that you just, and you got a guy for free. And even if he steps in for a little bit, shows you can sell them off for something if you want. I wouldn't, but that's, if that's your game and you want to get value and you want to pick up that sexy first-round name, that's fine too. But as far as UDFA wide receivers go, I think Jacoby Myers might have one of the better chances of a guy to really hit and be good down the stretch. I mean, Edelman was undrafted too, by the way, so don't don't uh, forget. And uh, Wes, Wel- Wes Welker was a guy I was thinking of that that ended up teaching Edelman how to do some of the stuff that he did. So just finally remembered that. Um, Another guy uh, that I'm kind of, it's not a rookie, but just new face, new place, uh, Tyrell Williams in Oakland. He's going to go opposite side of Antonio Brown, which I think is a good place to be because you're not, you're not following coverages over to that side. You're going to try to take away Antonio as much as you can nobody's been really been able to do it but they're gonna try um so just kind of understand he's really not gonna see the double coverage he's a big guy he's fast gets down the field he's a great deep threat just because it's you it's hard to find corners that can run fast and that are like six two you don't find them very often and they're usually not great in the nfl it doesn't seem and i just see him as a home run threat Derek carr was actually the number one quarterback in deep passing accuracy last year believe it or not kind of a weird thing i think it was more of a He didn't really have the chance. He didn't take a whole lot of chances to do it. So his accuracy numbers were a little inflated when he did. But I think that that could be a match made in heaven and could be a guy that it's going to be pretty cheap to get him. And he could really return value as a wide receiver, two wide receiver, three on your teams. Uh, Definitely. I think there's worse places to look. I think that Oakland offense is looking up right now. Uh, Another guy that they're adding and talking about right now is Darren Waller, the tight end. He ran a 4-4-6 in his 6-6. He's a wide receiver in college. I think that if he can take that step and become at least a decent blocker, that he has huge upside in that offense that just had Jared Cook do some crazy things last year. So just kind of know if Darren Waller's out there on your free agency and you're a little bit tight end needy, I think Waller is definitely a good pickup this year. And I think that... I'm going to get into it right after this, but I think tight end is actually going to be a lot deeper than people realize. I don't know that the top end will be there. I think you definitely have your top three guys and then a little bit of everybody else. But that second tier, I think, is really growing. And I think you can get the Ingrams and the Cooks and O.J. Howards. Like, I think there's a lot of value to be had there. So I don't think that tight end is really the barren wasteland it was last year until we maybe have some injuries go down. Sorry, my cats are annoying and making noise in this new lovely blue Yeti microphone that hopefully you guys can hear a difference on out there. It picks up everything around the room. So when they're making noise, you are probably going to hear it now. So I have to take away all their stuff. Um, but getting back to tight end, I think that it is, uh, it's definitely going to be growing. I mean, people are all in on Mark Andrews. Um, Jason Witten's back. I mean, I don't know what he's got left, but could he get 500 receiving yards and four or five touchdowns? He could. People are banging the drum for Tyler Eifert again. I've been burned a couple too many times to jump on that bandwagon, but if he can stay healthy, he's very talented. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, he could make some noise before Ben Watson even gets back for the Patriots. That's a possibility. You've got Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson there. Um, You got... Jimmy Graham is still in Green Bay for now. He could be a camp casual or a salary cap casualty. I could totally see that. Um, I mean, is Jay Sternburner going to be the guy? He's possible. There's rumors that Dawson Knox is going to start the season as a starting tight end. Good for him. Uh, I wasn't near as high on him as I probably could have been in the preseason or the pre draft process, but um i like that buffalo offense i think that they could really make some noise and do a good job and i think knox could be a big part of that he's a good athletic tight end so just understand when you're going through your drafts or maybe even rookie drafts that i don't think tight end is the barren wasteland that we all think it is there's value there you just have to find the right guys and the right schemes with the right opportunity and they just need to stay healthy this year which they didn't last year so i think that's just at least something to think about. And maybe taking Hawkinson in the first doesn't make as much sense when you can get a guy like Knox or Sternburner later. But I think Hawkinson is the closest thing that we'll see to an elite tight end coming out of this draft class. And Noah Fan. I mean, they just have the best chances, but it doesn't mean that they are the only guys there. And you're taking them because of the position scarcity. Irv Smith Jr. could be good depending on what they do with Kyle Rudolph. Maybe they split him out wide a little bit more and Rudolph becomes more of the blocking tight end. That's a possibility. Uh, I'm not a big Irv Smith guy. I just, I think he'll be a fine talent and a fine receiver. I just, if I'm going through a draft in the second round, there's other guys I want and I just haven't gotten him. So just, I just wanted to point out, I don't think tight end is near as bad as everybody thought it was or thinks it is. And I think if you make the right moves, there's going to be value enough there. Jack Doyle is a throw-in right now in, in drafts or in trades. It's like, you're just kind of like, um, what do you think about Jack Doyle? Eh, he's there. It's like, this is going to be Andrew Luck's favorite target over the middle of the field. You don't have to believe me now, but wait till the season when he ends up having 75 to 80 catches, seven to 800 yards, and four to six or seven touchdowns. I have him on both my teams. I'm happy about it. I think he's a starting caliber tight end. That's a top 12 that nobody's talking about. Ebron is a guy, once they get in the 20s, they run their two tight ends and get their big sets because they didn't have any receivers last year. And he was the benefit of that. And he's athletic and he's big and he does well down to the goal line, but that doesn't mean that Jack Doyle won't factor in. Jack Doyle wasn't very healthy last year. Jack Doyle is a huge buy in fantasy right now. Go and just see if you, if a 20, 20 23rd or if you haven't done your rookie drafts, you had a 2019 third, or he might be a flyer on a fourth rounder and you're going to get a top 12 possible tight end. That's tied to Andrew Luck. I will take that all day over any of those dart throws in the third or fourth round. Um, little off point, it wasn't really on my sheet, but I just kind of got thinking about how deep tight end is. There are a lot of chances there, and you just have to, outside of the top three guys that have a chance to get a 1,000 yards, probably not a lot of guys getting that. But the five to 800-yard range is huge, and the even Evan Ingram is going to have a ton of touchdowns this year, I think, just because they don't have anybody but Saquon really down towards the goal line. That's really a, a threat down there. They have a lot of little guys, so look for – Evan Ingram to really have a big year this year too. I think he's the tight end four and maybe climbs into that top class. Uh, another thing I've seen brought up is what's the point of selling high, even if you're a contending team, when is really the best time to sell a player? So a couple things kind of go to me. If you're somebody that likes to collect rookie picks a lot and you, th- you like taking that rookie and building there and then just kind of replenishing that every few years and turning your whole roster over in that time, I don't think that's a bad way to do it. Uh, And if that's your strategy, then you're looking to hit those guys that, hey, they're coming up in a contract year. They might switch teams to a different place. They might fall into a backup role or they just drafted somebody else. I want to get what I can for him now before his situation changes. I think those are kind of reasons to sell high. Um, You can kind of like Kittle's a good situation where it's like he's still going to be an elite tight end But is he going to have 12 or 1,300 yards like he had last year and 150 targets? Probably not repeatable. Not saying it's impossible, but it is improbable. But is he still a 1,000-yard tight end that has 5 to 10 touchdowns? I mean, I'm keeping that guy. I'm not going to give him away for A first. I mean, if somebody – I think the value thing to me is you're going to hit the other side so hard that you can't say no to a trade is the only time like I would trade a guy like that. I don't think you trade a young guy because, well, he's not going to repeat or he's not going to do this. I go, that's kind of, eh, I don't think I sell for that reason. And the Todd Gurley case, I'm not going to say Todd Gurley is a sell right now because his value is so low, you're not going to get much out of him. I've seen him try to be traded for 20, 20 seconds. I would absolutely not do that deal because Todd Gurley, even if he loses some usage this year, he's still a top 24 back at worst. Now, will he maybe miss a couple games? Maybe. Is Daryl Henderson a priority target for handcuffing? Absolutely. If you draft Gurley in a redraft, you have to look to get Henderson at uh, maybe the fifth round. You have to take him a couple rounds ahead of his ADP because he is huge for you. Because if Gurley does miss time, guess who's going to get a lot of that workload and get a lot of that production? It's going to be Henderson, and you're going to want him on your roster at that point. So just kind of know if you're going to take Gurley because he's falling in drafts and you're getting him in the second or maybe third rounds of a startup draft, then a couple rounds later, you're going to have to take Henderson because they, they go together, like lamb and tuna fish. Uh, but as far, I mean, if you're buying and you're getting him for a second, it's an absolute steal. Gurley is still worth multiple firsts no matter how hurt he is. He's only 24 years old. The way medical stuff is going, I mean, I'm pounding the drum for Henderson saying that he will be a guy with 10 touches that will be worth a flex or an RB3 spot on your roster but I'm not saying that the sky is falling on Gurley at the same time. Gurley's still going to be top 24. He's still going to have enough catches to do damage. He's still going to have enough goal line work to do a lot of damage. Henderson's not taking his role over at the goal line. And I just don't sell Gurley for nothing because you're afraid that his career is over and his knee is going to hinder him and he's never going to play again. Cause that's probably not the case. They have medical stuff now that can at least get you through games I mean, they'll rehab and they'll work on it as much as they can. And he might not he might not play for another five or six years, but to say he's going to be out of the league in a year or two is a little drastic. So just find your value. And whether it's high, whether it's low, define what your strategy is. I mean, I'm okay getting older aging vets that are going to retire on your team. People are like, no, don't, no, don't do that because then you're not going to get value when you could have and you could have gotten them for something else. I go, yeah, but if I'm a contending team and they're still producing like I'm a contender, why am I getting rid of that guy to build for the future when I'm contending right now? That's how I see it. I've heard other people that say they don't want that person to be a problem on their roster. Depends on your roster makeup. Depends on how you play. Depends on your strategy. Just understand that when you're going into Dynasty. If you're new to it, kind of like I am, and you'll, you'll learn lessons the hard way. It's one of the things I've learned is not to undervalue aging vets because they still do have production and they still are going to have good years even if they are above their thirties. Um, the last thing I kind of wanted to say is if you are new to dynasty and you haven't played a lot, there are such thing as dynasty calculators for trades. So when you are going and saying, Hey, this seems like a decent trade or somebody sends you an offer and you're like, well, I kind of want a way to measure it up. Go to the dynasty calculators. If you just searched in your Google search dynasty calculator, there's a few that come up a couple of them you have to pay for a couple of them are free. I use the free ones, just my preference. Um, so yesterday I got offered my Lamar Jackson and John Ross. And I was getting back Joe Flacco. I was getting back uh, Jordan Howard and I was getting back Josh Johnson. I thought about it cause I'm a little higher on Howard than others, but I was like, well, Flacco, what are we really talking here? He's going to start six games this year, maybe. And I have two other quarterbacks, so it wasn't a huge deal that are young. So I wasn't that worried about the Flacco piece. I was like, well, I, I really need running backs. And then I typed it into the calculator. And Lamar Jackson was 1,300 points alone. And then John Ross is roughly a throw in with, I mean, he's a dart throw this year and I'm high on Ross. I think he produces. So I'm, I'm going to charge a little bit more for him. But and but the offer that I got was like 1,300 to 300. And that was with the three players he was giving me that really aren't worth anything. I mean, they're just kind of guys and so it's just a way to kind of go and look and you're saying, oh, okay, you know, this is a way to measure a trade for me because I want to get fair value. I don't want to rip anybody off, but I also don't want to get ripped off. I have been ripped off. We'll see how it plays out. I got what I thought I needed out of it, but just understand that there are calculators out there to help you. And I think that they're a good tool and a way to use things. So, um, Hey, any questions or anything, any feedback, let me know. If you have a question you want heard on the show, just tweet me. Uh, again, the Twitter is going to be on D N S T Y, And let me know your questions. I'm excited to answer some stuff and keep bringing you some stuff in this down period here that we call summer. But we're within 100 days of season starting. So there is hope. It's on the horizon. So until next time, have a good week. we